Good morning, dear friends, dear Dharma friends. How's the sound? Okay, yay. I'm Robert Beatty, or I am <laughs> that which calls itself Robert Beatty, and people refer to in that way. I am observant of an overcast sky today. I think it's probably just clouds in the valley. I'm appearing to you from Beaverton, Oregon, the Portland Insight Meditation Community teachings. These are the teachings of the Buddha through the Theravada Buddhist lineage, as best I understand them. <sighs> I'm a little tired this morning. I was downtown at the um, protests last night till a little after 11. And uh, I'll speak about it a little bit later. Hard to know what to make of such things. Uh, certainly came away from it more convinced of the importance of the Black Lives Power movement, um, provoking the federal police to respond may not be the most skillful thing we could be doing, I think. But it was interesting, exciting to be in that large crowd. The press says it was 2,000 people. It felt like a lot. So, <clears throat> my path and what I support the most strongly is what we're about to do here, which is to develop love and peace and compassion in our own hearts and to see all beings as ourselves. It's a little dark in my tent this morning. Patachara's 30 nuns. This is from the first free women poems of the early Buddhist nuns. Quite an inspiring book. Farmers take grains from the earth and branches from the trees. They crack open one with the other and take what's left to feed their families. We are all like unripe grain. Take time to grow. Then leave the ground behind and let your husks be stripped away. I promise less is more. So Patachara told us. So we sat on the ground like unripe grain. We gave ourselves to the path and the path broke us apart. What we fears, feared most is now seen for what it is, true peace, freedom. All that broke apart was the darkness we had for so long been calling our whole world. Farmers take grain from the earth and branches from the trees. They crack open one with the other and take what's left to feed their families. You are all like unripe grain. Take time to grow. Then leave the ground behind and let your husks be stripped away. I promise less is more. So Patachara told us. So we sat on the ground like unripe grain. We gave ourselves to the path and the path broke us apart. What we feared most is now seen for what it is, true peace, freedom. All that broke apart was the darkness we had for so long been calling our whole world. So one thing we can do to clarify our direction is to take refuge in being awake, no matter what's going on around us. 
refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Hello to those of you joining us on YouTube and Facebook. Please feel free to come and join us on Zoom. You can do that by going to portlandinsight.org and getting the key, the secret key. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya. Sounds begin and end. Hmm. Everything begins and ends. And so we begin, or we we continue to initiate presence. To land here in this moment. Here and now. <coughs> As soon as we stop acting outwardly, the body's right here. A cloud of sensations. So there is awareness. and the sensations in what we think of as the feet. In my case this morning, that's cold. The fire element is low, cold. There's awareness and there's hands, what we think of as hands, fingers. There's the buttocks, the pressure of the thighs and buttocks and back against the chair if you're sitting in a chair. 
It's so familiar, isn't it? Come home to the life of what you call the face, what we call the face. The cheeks, the eyes, the eyebrows, the forehead, the ears. And the body breathes. Breathing is an ancient skill, billions of years old. No need to control it. Our practice is simply to observe, is it a long breath or a short breath? Is it smooth or is it somehow jumpy? We attend to it with great, gentle, committed diligence. We do that until the mind will simply stay present without, with hardly no effort at all. And when that's the case, we simply open up to everything else that's happening. And we practice with curiosity, what's happening? What is this that I call my life or me or mine? I haven't mentioned noting in quite some time. One strategy, from, particularly from the Mahasi Sayadaw in Burma, for developing concentration and awareness is to note. A bird calls hearing, hearing, returning to breath. Chest and abdomen rise, rise and fall, rising, rising, falling, falling. The mind wanders, wandering, wandering, returning, returning. The mind is worrying, 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 back to the breath, interrupting. The mind becomes quite concentrated on the breath, concentrated, concentrated. So we use the cognitive capacity of mind to point in a way. <clears throat> this can be particularly useful when the mind is caught up strongly in the hindrances, lost in restlessness or caught up in anger or fear or any of the emotions, calling things what they are or what they appear to be. 
Rising, rising, falling, falling. We are attending to the actual sensations in the body that arise. From breathing. It might be in the chest and upper body, the abdomen, or it could be at the nostrils where the air rushes back and forth. Sometimes it's helpful to use the larger breathing in and breathing out in the lower body, in the chest and abdomen. Then when that becomes very subtle, you can shift to the nostrils where it's even more subtle. And we train the mind to become attentive to more and more subtle phenomena. We also notice the beginnings of things, the beginning of the breath. The beginning of a sound. The beginning of a thought. Well, we notice the endings of things. We may discover, we, we catch an activity after it happened. A thought has come and then ended. An itch has arisen and we've scratched it. A sound has come and it's over. We observe in this way arising and passing away.
we practice with an attitude aspiring to love. The love in which there is room for everything. And we begin with this, that we take as ourselves. And we bring to the altar of our hearts our great skills and capacities and also our shortcomings the qualities of impatience and anger and self-pity and greed I have a favorite Far Side cartoon where the classic male old man God is taking the earth out of the oven. And he says, dang, it's only half baked. That's us, half baked. And so we continue the ripening process by doing this simple, beautiful ritual of sitting together. Together, apart, tuned inward. This moment is like this. It's exactly like this. And we attend with a willingness to be deeply intimate with life. It's not like we're observing it from afar. We are embracing fully all the realities of this birth. 
Please now allow the aperture of awareness to increase, to become of the, aware of the breathing as part of the whole body. All the way from the toes to the legs, to the pelvis and torso and hands and arms and fingers and shoulders and neck and face. It's all alive and there's breathing. There's life. There's tingling, vibrating temperatures. And notice how your body exists in space. If you let your head move just a little bit or a finger move, there's this space around it, which is completely receptive, utterly receptive. And notice that you can, at least in your imagination, realize there's a room around you. And, or if you're outdoors, there's this infinite opening into space. And in this vastness, which goes on for unimaginable distances, Here at the center, there's a capacity of intention. And I want to end our sitting together this morning by chanting the Loving Kindness Sutra. It seems like an important thing given, given where I was last night and keeping this in mind. So I hope it's on your screen now, if you want to let your eyes open, or you can just listen. <clears throat> An ancient aspiration of loving. Now let us chant the Buddha's words on loving kindness. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, 
seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. I want to thank you for making the effort to get up this morning, to, to come and be here. Huh. The first activity in the building project, they're building nine homes just there. And there's someone with a pneumatic nail gun starting, starting what time is it? 7.30. Yeah, it's really very, um, very delightful as the, the crowds gathered last night around a particular asp or a bunch of sometimes conflicting aspirations. Um, to have each other as a community around the aspiration of awakening and becoming more loving, uh, we really need each other, Sangha. So I'm most grateful that you're here. I have a couple of announcements. One is this very beautiful thing, I think, that Molly made. Going Deeper, a retreat day of practice with Robert Beattie and Kendall Summers. It's coming up next Saturday, August the 1st. You can find this on the website and you can register here. <laughs> and there's a nice picture of Kendall and Robert. So I invite you to join us for that. Uh, if you haven't ever done such a thing, I really encourage you to do it because uh, there is a there's a cumulative force in a way that happens when one practices for more hours in a row and that that then connects with there's a cumulative force if one does a retreat when retreats are possible of days or weeks or months um, the mind gets quieter and quieter and deeper and deeper structures and Memories can be processed and noticed and awareness grows. Work through old traumas and have experiences of consciousness that one has never had before. It's a beautiful thing. And then one more sharing if it'll work. Yes. Oh, here it is. Ta -da. Oh, that's not it. Where to go? Stop share. Try again. Sure, I wish this was perfect. <laughs> so try that. Let's see. Oh, well. Oh, there it is. Mindfulness for a Happy Life is out. You can order it on. Amazon, and you can get it at Powell's Books, and also from WIPF, W-I-P-F, and Stock, which is the publisher in Eugene. So I think that's enough from me. And I'd like to open up for your questions, sharing. Your dances of delight. I heard a voice. Tim. Tim, there you are. Yeah. 
I would love to hear a little bit about your experiences um, down at the protest last night, if you're so inclined. Hmm. Or not, if you're not. No, I, I can say a little bit. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little confused in a way. Um, when I first got there, there were some, uh, there was two people from the ACLU, not the ACLU. Um, <laughs> oh dear. I forget one of the great national African-American black organizations. And they were kind of inspiring and more than kind of, they were really, I, I felt support there. And then uh, it, it changed into um, all men. Well, well, there were a couple of women's voices, but a lot of uh, kind of just whipping up the crowd in NAACP. Thank you, Peter. Um, a lot of a lot of chanting, which was um, kind of, in a way, fun to be with, but there was a lot of anger in it, and um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be the tone police. Why would one not be angry after four hundred years of this of the astonishing oppression? Um, but I I don't I don't fit well in large crowds of people where anger is uh, the operational mode. I feel a little teary as I talk about it. I know when um, I was very fond, I am very fond of um, Bernie Sanders. And when he first came to town, way back at the other former election, and his, his campaign had just caught fire in Seattle the day before, and he came here and the Coliseum was full. It was a lot of people, and and I was quite excited to be there. And then the the two or three speakers who went before him uh, did a, a quite a lot of us and them talk, and got a, and got everyone expressing their anger. And uh, I uh, I lost interest at that point. It, I don't I don't think just my personal strategy can't go that way. I mean, how, what a surprise, huh? Though I, I understand it as a powerful motivating force and why would particularly black people not be angry? So, and I, I left before the, uh, the provocation. There, there's these big fences around the federal building and uh, people were there, lots of people, well-equipped with gas masks and... Um, shields and stuff and then after I left um, um, my daughter stayed and she left before the uh, she's just back to town and uh, she left before the the main event <laughs> this the final event sort of and that people were setting fire are setting off fireworks against the federal building and trying to take down the fence and the, and uh, then the police came charging out and there were uh, flashbangs and tear gas and the usual event that happens every night that that people are there to provoke and there's there's some desire for that to happen uh, I'm afraid it plays into Donald Trump's hands as a city in riot you know but the the being together with uh, I was very moved a couple of times it's like at, an, at another level of oh no wonder something something has to change this oppression of black people has been uh, has been and is so active. So that's my quick take on it. I uh, I think I'm going to go next Tuesday night. I'm going to try to. The, there's a Buddhist sit, a meditative uh, activity that I think I want to. I'd like to try that out to show my support and participate. Um, Robert, yeah. could you could you post that set that Buddhist event? It, it has been on the list, sir. I will find it, it and okay. put it out again. Yeah, thank you. Someone in our group here may may be one of the people people who've been publicizing it. So please do. Yeah, we've done that way in the past. At one of the Gulf Wars, we went and sat 
uh, in Pioneer Courthouse Square, about 40 of us. We sat for an hour, sat and walked. Another time we went, it was a, maybe the same war, the square across from the federal building. We, uh, we, we sat there. There, were, there weren't very many, maybe six or seven. And uh, <laughs> it was apparently very unnerving for the people in the building because the, the police came out and uh, they came over and wanted to talk to us. And uh, uh, I went in and went upstairs and, and, I, and they said, you know, what are you doing? I said, we're sitting here reflecting on peace and love. <laughs> and then he told me that you, you, you can't do it there. <laughs> you can't do that there without a permit. <laughs> so we then went home, but. So that it feels very new to me and un, unsorted out, but um, it's a big thing that's happening. And of course, what the press are making of it elsewhere in the country is the whole city's in uproar and, and you, know, you drive two blocks away and there's nothing happening. That, well, and but there are other things happening. I'm not saying it's not a big thing, but it's not like the place is in flames or something. But that's the way they're making it look. I, I guess I want to say one more thing. Um, this makes me sad too. Among the men who were leading the crowd. Of course there was anger, but with my, all my training, what I kept seeing was the pain, the anguish behind that anger. Uh, it's very touching. Thanks for asking. It's funny, I, f I feel uh, anxious talking about it. I don't know that I would go to a crowd again. I, I was a little anxious about the COVID issue. Um, however, I avoided the places where people were compacted. So anybody else? Please. Robert, my name is Davina, and I've been sitting mostly through Facebook, but managed to be up early this morning. Yay. Yay. And um, I'm wondering if you could talk about sitting when you're having very strong emotions and dealing with some heartbreak and <sighs> feeling it in the body and wondering if you could talk about just staying present when when your heart is very sad. Thank you. I can hear the sad in your voice, my dear. Yes, thank you. Sometimes it's better to do walking practice or to dance. But the strategy is always the same. It sounds like, I think you said you're feeling it in the body. And so with great respect and gratitude in a way, we thank the breath. It's such a marvelous training object, the breath. Aside from the fact that it supports us, it is life itself. But we then quite intentionally turn from the sensations of breathing into the sensations in the body of the emotion, which in a way could be framed as with as much love and compassion as we possibly can in our safe place of sitting meditation. We quote, turn toward the sensations and allow them to blossom. They may, they may be very faint, they may disappear they may get more. Uh, sometimes there's emotions involved. I mean, the, there's affect, the expression of affect. Um, 
we also can have one one eye open, one part of the inner eye open uh, to um, any thoughts that are there. And so it is a turning in love toward the, in this case, it sounds like the broken heart and the grief. And the loss that is, uh, is there. Um, is that approaching what you were needing to know? Yeah, or? thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I am I am touched by your tears and the the grief you're experiencing, sadness. One other thing to keep in mind, perhaps, is that there are two major threads in grief. One is sadness and tears, and the other is anger and rage. And some of us, I would categorize myself in this, this category, uh, learn, I learned in childhood that it was okay to be sad and to, grow, to cry, but I, I really became phobic of the angry side, which may even be part of my discomfort in the angry crowd last night. Uh, certainly is. And uh, so to stay open to both sides of that, to all sides of that in ourselves. Uh, and sometimes it's important to have um, some, uh, an, 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 <laughs> I can't get the words out, an other with us. Uh, I literally have sometimes in my own therapy and growth have needed an, a hand, someone else's hand to hold as I went deep into certain painful experiences from my childhood in particular. Um, but sometimes it's too much to just sit. And so, so dancing might make more sense. Put on some music you like to dance to and dance, maybe dance hard. Or um, there's something around anger. Um, I actually have an anger practice story that I've told many times. It was in a previous relationship and we were in one of those places of just fighting a lot and to no end. But uh, we had been to, and it doesn't, too much backstory. Um, I said, I, I learned from John Gottman, the couples therapist guy at a workshop I did with him, that once your heart rate reaches 100 in conflict, you might as well stop because nothing is ever resolved when that's the case. So I managed to get myself to stop and I said, I'll be back in half an hour. And I went to the park and I got out of my car and I did stomping meditation. It was seven tenths of a mile around that loop. And I stomped. I was so angry. And the mind was lost in these enemy images. And it was, it was, I was caught in an, in a rage trance. And I stomped my way, trying to be mindful of my foot hitting the ground, stomped my way around this rainy night in the park. And by the time I got back to the car, I was a little saner. There were moments of, whoa, whoa, look at that, look at that. And then by the time I was around a second time, I was walking quite present, stepping, stepping, stepping. Got in the car, went home, and had a very useful conversation from a place of sanity. So that was a way of paying attention to the intensity of anger and watching the images and the stories. And it, it's cultivating that place in us which can observe without being identified with the emotion. Hope that helps you, my dear. Thank you, yes. In talking with Greg Maloof, my friend, colleague, one of the teachers, very wise fellow at PIMC, we were doing a check-in the other day and, and uh, he talked about the, the um, grief that we, we've all lost so much 
even if we haven't been sick or our relationship hasn't ended or whatever, our way of life, there's so many things that we are accustomed to doing that we're not getting to do. And there's loss in that. And so therefore there's grief. Kind of an incohate, unstructured, um, open-ended, wow. Things are, things are not as I want them to be. Robert? Is, yes, hi there. Hello there. So I have a question about walking meditation. Ah. Um, I, I've just started sitting, and so uh, for about six weeks now, when I found you guys online. Um, and I've done, I did Jim's um, Qigong workshop, but I don't know about the walking meditation part, and I'm wondering because I'm totally blind. Um, so I don't know if you walk outside and whether using the cane would interfere. I, I just don't know how, how that would fit with me. And I was thinking about signing up for your going, digging deeper, what going deeper. Right. That'd yeah. be a good, good thing to do because we're going to be doing traditional walking meditation. So, so what does that mean? But, <laughs> okay. I, I'm laughing because I, 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 uh, I'm imagining you with your cane doing walking meditation in traffic somehow to, to, really, to really heighten your awareness, <laughs> but, but don't do it. So um, pick a spot that you know uh, is safe, maybe 20 steps or 15 steps. Your living room would probably do great. Okay. And the, the, tr the traditional walking spot for the monks in Asia is about 30 feet long not longer than that. And so um, you stand at one end and be aware of standing. Standing. You might even use little notes, I'm standing here. And then beginning to walk, you'd even note, you'd even say that little word, and then lean to your right. And then there's lifting, moving, placing of your foot down. Mm -hmm. And then there's lifting, moving, placing of your foot down. You do that and you go to the end of the walking spot. And then you stand, you stop and stand. And then you turn. And then you go back. And it can be very, very formal from intending to walk, intending to walk, intending to walk, leaning, 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 lifting, moving placing lifting moving placing when the mind wanders wandering wandering come back to the walking now i i don't do so well anymore with the slow slow walking my balance isn't great right and so um that doesn't matter because one can on the other end of this of the spectrum and well on the far end of the spectrum is sprinting just being aware of this flying over the surface of the earth, which I don't do much of that anymore either. I, I think I'll pass on that You'll pass one. on that one, right. Um, but you could also uh, just do a walking, which is here I am walking left, right, left, right. Or just here I am walking and feel the air moving against your skin. Or it's having some chosen primary object like yeah. the breath or like walk and and doing that now well, with with your cane i no, there's I, wouldn't, no I wouldn't need my cane in the house for sure i don't no, i don't yeah no but but when you're out in the community when you're making your way around with your cane your cane could become your primary object you could be aware of your hand moving the cane and the, right the, the the tapping there's a momentary sudden little tap 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 that you could yeah. do that. And each one of those could be a very perfect um, uh, primary object, training object. So okay. no, no hindrance at all. Well, 
as usual, I think I make most of my hindrances up in my mind anyway. So, <laughs> well, they certainly make themselves up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so consider coming on that Saturday. I think you'll find it really interesting. I, I will. Thank you. Yeah. Candle comes from a, um, a more, teaches with a more traditional approach than I do. And so the, those fundamentals will be really, really well covered. Good. Well, and thank you for your stomping um, meditation thing. I think I'm going to practice that after watching too much news. <laughs> well, you know, when the fight flight response is triggered in us, there are chemicals in the body that, that want activity. And so if we use them up for two or three or four or five minutes, actually there can be great release and relief that comes afterwards. It's, yeah, wow. I like that. Thank you. Thanks for asking, Janine. Okay. And thanks for being here. It's wonderful. I heard a voice. Robert, this is Jim, Jim Dalton, and Hello, Jim. I put a link on the uh, chat uh, board for an on being uh, radio program that was on ambiguous loss. And uh, it was a recent uh, rebroadcast of a book that came out, you know, mm. years ago, but the, the application in the midst of this uh, uh, chaotic scene where we're in is is uh, uh, very helpful to me huh. know, to, to, ambiguous uh, loss yeah it, it, it's not like uh, a closure that's finished like a death or a heartbreak about a, a romantic uh, situation that's ended but then all these little things that don't really have a dramatic but they mount up and and uh, huh. it, it's interesting to to become aware of that, you know, and see, see how they're mounting and, you know, where they are. Great. Thank you. Krista Tippett is a marvelous interviewer too. Mm-hmm. What's the date today? The 24th, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 7, 12 days from now, the tough shed comes. I took the heater in the house because I thought it was done for the summer, and this morning I'm quite chilly out here. So very soon it'll be. I'll miss the tent. I, I do like it. It's. In these particular moments, it's really delightful. 
the end of the tent that faces the sun has been bleached in this time. Interesting. Well, invitation. Are you sitting with something that it would be something that wants to speak itself? Something that is on the tip of the heart wanting expression. It's a little after eight. I need to go soon. Robert, this is Had. Hi, Had. Hi, I want to thank you personally and as the Sangha we are for going to the protest and re not representing us, but coaching us on how to be with all that is arising in our world and how and participating although i'm very i know as many are afraid to go participate in group activities because of covid 19. so i want to thank you for going into the hmm. maelstrom or the beast downtown and hmm. sharing honestly your experience thank you thanks ed I don't feel like I have, as you, I hope you can see, a lot to say about it right away. It's, uh, it's, um, unsettling, I guess. <laughs> I see a lovely young woman looking into the camera at Debbie's house. Well, shall we end our gathering with a little song this morning? Yes. Unmuting. May all beings be happy. May all beings be happy. May all things be happy. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. I will look forward to seeing you Sunday morning if you come then at ten o'clock, and again on Monday, but not tomorrow. Don't forget to sit tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bye, Robert. dear friends. Have a Thank lovely day. Bye -bye. Bye. 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 Bye